Um, you can still hear me, right? All right. Yeah. Okay, you should be yeah. fine now. Yeah. All right. Uh, finally. All right, here we go. All right. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome today to the FitBiz Inner Circle podcast. Uh, today, we've got a brilliant and inspiring guest. He's an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, Guinness World Guinness World Book Record holder, and an international speaker. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome Freddie Bennett to the floor. Freddie, welcome. Glad to have you today, man. Thank you. It is a it's a pleasure to be here. I uh, I've heard a lot about this group and about this podcast. I'm a big fan, so uh, so the pleasure here is all mine, and uh, and I hope I can uh, I can do you all justice today. Yeah, for sure. I mean, your resume speaks for itself. But um, you know, I've just given a brief introduction. But for those who don't know you, who is Freddie Bennett? <laughs> Freddie Bennett has been many different men, that's for sure. So I, I stand here before you today as uh, as a guy who has has run across the Sahara Desert. I'm I'm a Guinness World Record holder. Uh, next month, I'm running 200 miles across the frozen Arctic to the North Pole. And I've done all kinds of other things. I've written the books. I've hosted the podcasts. Moved my life twelve thousand miles from the the UK to to here in in beautiful New Zealand where I am today. But five years ago, Freddie Bennett was someone totally different. I was thirty five in the UK, trapped in a corporate job in a life that I hated. I was unfit, overweight, stressed, depressed, suicidal, and addicted. And this is, is, is the important part for me to say. I always say at the start of every conversation, let's not fall into the trap of, of just thinking I'm, I'm, I'm a photocopy of a David Goggins or I'm some extreme explorer or, or athlete. I'm none of those things. I'm, I'm an everyday guy who went on a mission to prove to the world in, in the land that we live in of, of slogan dispensers, of false promises, of people just saying the empty motivational phrases, I'm on a mission to prove to everyone that everyday people can do extraordinary things and we can all conquer our own personal mountains. That is beautiful. And, you know, touching up on what you said about, you know, you haven't always been this version of Freddie. What was sort of like the trigger, you know, in your life that sort of prompted you, you know, to sort of make all these changes and, you know, achieve some of the great things that you've achieved over the years? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny, there were there were many triggers. We we always talk about hitting rock bottom in life. We always have that that moment when we think, I can't carry on like this. I can't carry on uh in this job in this body, in this relationship, in this environment. We all have those moments. I always talk about the Hollywood version of real life and the real version of real life. And, and the Hollywood version is you hit rock bottom and then you start the superhero journey, rising like a phoenix from the ashes. But in the real life version, I hit rock bottom. I dug a bit deeper. I bumped along the ground for a bit more, found another rock bottom and so on. And, and the warning signs were there for a long time. Um, I was I was in New York City uh, one night in the wrong place at the wrong time, and and drug dealers held a gun to my head and and pulled the trigger. I was thrown off planes. I was chased out of countries. I had warning after warning at work, but I still thought that things were okay. On on the outside of my life, and this is five years ago, so I'm 42 now. So I was about kind of 35, 36. Um, from the outside, I had it all. 
I had the I had the good corporate job. I had the Porsche on the driveway, the Rolex on the wrist, the granite in the kitchen. I had the young family, the nice holidays, but on the inside, life was falling apart. And as I say, I was stressed, depressed, unfit, overweight, living this life of quiet desperation. And and I felt trapped because I thought to myself, if if we want the nice things, if we want the vacations and the cars and the and the nice house, then I have to go and live this life where I don't like who I am, where I hate what I do, where I hate myself. And this is what led me to the to the drink and the drugs and the depression and so on. So I had many rock bottoms. I had many Mondays when I said, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get my life in order. And then by the time Wednesday came around, I would uh, I would always find something more interesting to do that would usually involve uh, a bar and, uh, and my friend Jack Daniels and everybody else. So the morning when it did change, the, there were a couple of triggers. Firstly, my my dad, my father, taught me that there was a different way to living my life. Uh, the bad news is that he he had to show me this lesson by uh, by dying suddenly. And, and I was at work one day in the UK, kind of doing the, the, the corporate hugover thing where this will work very well on, on an audio podcast. But, you know, when you're, when you're at your desk and you're kind of you're tapping away hungover and you've got your head in your hands and you're watching the clock until 5 p.m. And, uh, and the phone rang. And uh, to cut a long story short, I had to, to leave the office, jump in my car, drive 300 miles, see my dad in hospital. And it was one of those days that you that you you see on TV. Lunchtime was a normal hungover lunchtime. By dinner time, I kissed my dad on the forehead and I watched him die. And and again, the Hollywood version of this story is that I leave the hospital, the sunlight shines down on me, the angels sing, and I change my life. But the real version is my dad's death gave me permission to drink more, party harder, act more irresponsibly just be more of a dick, to be honest, because I was thinking to myself, hey, you know, you only live once. Life is short. Live every day. I will do that fifth shot of tequila. I will go to Las Vegas for a weekend. Why not? Who knows what's going to happen? And then five months after he died, I woke up on a Thursday in a grey hotel room in a grey hotel by a highway in a grey and rainy part of the UK. And I stumbled to the bathroom, kicking over these miniature bottles of of vodka and and empty cans of beer. And I saw this guy in the mirror and I saw someone who was hungover, unfit, someone who had red bloodshot eyes, grey skin, chipped yellow nicotine stained teeth. And I just thought it wasn't supposed to go like this. Everyone has hopes and dreams. Who have I become? I wasn't becoming the person who I always thought I was going to become. I didn't recognize this person in the mirror. And that was the morning when I decided to change my life. I thought I'm going to go one of two ways. I'm either going to end it all, which really was a uh, a realistic option for me to just think I can't get out of this. I need to just to, to check out of life. Or I thought, what ha- what would happen if I gave myself one more chance, one more opportunity to see what I'm truly capable of. Can I be that person that I truly believed that I could be as a child? And that was the morning when I started the rest of my life, when I thought, let's really see what what I could achieve as an everyday office worker. How big can I take this life? How how bold, how, how amazing can I go? 
All right, beautiful. And, you know, I think you touching up, especially, you know, your your father, unfortunately, passing away was definitely like a stepping stone, you know, obviously coming off that and those destructive behaviors in your, where, where did the start line sort of look like in terms of, you know, taking things to say, okay, someone in your position, where do they start? You know, when obviously it seems like their life is a mess and there's so many other things that are happening, but where does one sort of start in that position instead of, you know, starting to better themselves from many perspectives, from a physical, you know, financial and the mental aspect, you know, where do, where would one start? It, it's a great question. And I, like so many other people, just felt stuck in life. You know, we have that feeling where we believe that we're destined for more. We want more in our life. We want to achieve more. We want to see more. We want to, to accomplish more. But we feel stuck. And I always say when we feel stuck in life, it's because we're making a false assumption. So we are we feeling we feel stuck because we assume something to be true when it isn't really true. So an example would be um, someone would feel stuck in their job and they would say, oh, but I can't start a business because it takes tens of thousands of dollars to start a business. That's a false assumption, but they're feeling stuck. Someone might feel stuck in a relationship and they may be saying to themselves, I'm stuck in this relationship, but nobody else will ever love me. Again, that's a false assumption. Um, so I was living this life of false assumptions. I was assuming um, I could never be happy outside of my current lifestyle. I was assuming that I could never make money outside of that corporate job. I was assuming that I didn't have the strength or the willpower to quit drinking. I was assuming I didn't have the time to get my fitness in order. So I was making this false assumptions over and over again. So the first step in our lives when we feel stuck is to challenge our assumptions, to think, where, what am I telling myself that I believe is true that isn't actually true? And the second question, I, I love working in questions because I think that where we ask ourselves questions, that's when we get to the truth. The second question that I ask myself is, what am I pretending not to know because i i truly believe that we all know what we want to achieve we all we all have our, our goals and visions for life it isn't complicated what we want in our life isn't complicated but we we make it complicated and we pretend not to know things we pretend not to know the action to take we pretend not to know what we want we pretend not to know who to ask for help we know all these things. We just pretend not to know because it's easier to stay stuck living in a land of problems. Now, we always say we want less problems, but the truth is we love problems. I used to love my problems. I was attached to my problems because then if I was attached to my problems, I got to complain about my problems. And complaining about our problems is a lot of fun. It's much more fun to complain about our problems than solve our problems because solving problems is difficult. And that involves change and doing hard things. So to, in order to really face my problems, I had to ask myself, what am I pretending not to know? And for me, the answers were, yeah, I know I need to quit drinking. I know I need to leave this job. I know I need to start doing stuff that sets my soul on fire. I knew all these things deep down, but I was pretending not to know them. As I say, that, that final action is around our problems because we do love our problems. And, and I always 
I'm a, I'm a man of many phrases and a man of many sayings, but one of my favorite sayings is that every problem you have had for more than a few months is because you have decided to keep that problem. So if you have a money problem, you have decided to keep that problem. If you have a problem relationship, you have decided to keep that relationship. If you have a fitness problem, you have decided to keep that fitness problem. If you have a client problem, you've decided to keep that client problem and so on. We, we always talk so much. I loved talking about my problems. I would talk to you for hours about my problems because then I could just tell myself a story. And it was much easier to tell myself a story than to focus on taking that small imperfect action to start changing aspects of my life. So those, those three areas is how anyone can really start on that journey to change. Beautiful, Freddie. I love it. And sort of heading on to, you know, some of the things that um, that you talk about. You know, I know you mentioned you know, when I was preparing for this meeting as well, I noticed, you know, you are a change maker. You know, as someone in business and the leadership, what is a change maker? And, you know, how does one going about, you know, in terms of, you know, cultivating that, you know, in as much as a, a skill set or generally into their everyday life, you know, to apply whether in business or in their personal life? Absolutely. So, so a change maker is someone who makes things happen. And I give the people the ingredients to make things happen in their life. And, and I always, as I say, I always want to make this clear in every conversation. It isn't about the extreme adventures. It isn't about the crazy endurance challenges I've done. Um, I know, I know the things I do are crazy because that's just my dream and my life. For me, it isn't about these crazy bits of physical endurance. It's about time. And it goes right the way back to, to my dad's death. And I'll, I'll tell the story quickly and then I'll, I'll come on to the change. For me, it's about time because that day when my dad died, when he woke up that morning, he didn't know that day was to be his last. And I always think there would have been a moment Sometime that afternoon when he was in the hospital, there would have been that moment when he would have thought, oh, shit, <laughs> I'm going to die today. Today's my last day. I, I never thought it would work like this. And I always think what what regrets would have gone through his mind? What were all the things that he wanted to do with his life, but he hadn't done because he didn't have the confidence or the time or the mindset or the self-belief, whatever it is. And that's why with me, I always say it's about time. It's about giving people the ingredients to do the things that they've always wanted to do, but they've so far not been able to do. And that for me, as I say, I've run across the Sahara Desert. I'm doing the Arctic. I've broken the world records. That's just my life. Everyone has their own personal mountain to conquer. Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's starting a business. Maybe it's starting a relationship. Maybe it's ending a relationship or moving to a new place or starting a new chapter of their life, or going for that promotion, or telling no to their asshole boss. Everyone has these things they want to do, but they don't. But how do we make the change happen? There's three pillars, knowledge, mindset, and habits. And there has to be these three pillars. Because usually, uh, everyone talks about knowledge. Everyone, like We all know Twitter, X, YouTube, social media. There is knowledge everywhere. 
Some knowledge is good, but too much knowledge, I believe, can be a powerful thing. Knowledge actually is the enemy of learning. If we're just seeking knowledge all the time, then it's difficult to, to learn new things. We can't be in transmit mode and receive mode at the same time. So knowledge is, is a powerful thing, but we only need a certain amount. Knowledge alone won't get us to where we want to get to. Now, I always use uh, press-ups as an example here. If I was to deliver uh, the world's most powerful, most intelligent, most informative day-long lecture to you on press-ups, you'd have all the knowledge in the world, but you wouldn't see any difference because it was just knowledge. So that's when habits comes in, the second pillar. We've got knowledge, then we need habits. The habit comes in because you have to apply the knowledge every single day. So with the press-up example, great, you've got the knowledge about press-ups, but then you have to get into the habit of doing press-ups every single day to be able to start to see the results. And that's why I, uh, I have this problem with, uh, with so many people that you see online. Everyone loves to be a knowledge dispenser. Everyone loves to quote the books and copy and paste the Twitter quotes and say all these very powerful, very intelligent, very thought-provoking things. But no one ever takes any actions. That's why the habits are so important. And the third pillar is around mindset. Now, I have a love-hate relationship with mindset because it is one of those slogans that people just throw out. Yeah, improve your mindset, change your mindset, upgrade your mindset. Firstly, I have a problem with, with the, the thought of changing mindset because the whole concept of change implies that something has to be fixed. If we always say I have to change my mindset, change my mindset, then we're almost walking around all day saying, well, my mindset can't be good enough at the moment. So rather than saying change your mindset, I talk about upgrading and shifting your mindset because the mindset comes in on the days when we don't want to take the action, when we don't want to do what feels hard, when we don't want to do the press-ups, when we're saying to ourselves, no, I need to read one more book about press-ups. I need one more podcast about press-ups. Maybe I need to buy a press-up coaching program. Who knows? We don't need all these things. We just need to get into the mindset of executing on the habits to put the knowledge into action every single day. And that's how we create true change in our life. And I always believe done is better than perfect. It is much more powerful to take bold, imperfect action than just be sitting on the sidelines saying, I need to wait a bit longer. I need to wait for the perfect time. I need to wait until the economy is better, until the different polit politicians are in charge, until I have more. There's always a reason not to take action. But if we really want to change our life, we have to make today the perfect day and we just have to start. And once we start, we build up that momentum and we go again and again. And I say this, I say this as someone who has failed a thousand times. I've got so many things wrong in my life. I'm I'm usually wrong about 98% of the time. I've, I've failed, I've stumbled, I've fallen, I've made mistakes. But I always believe in our life, it doesn't matter if you fail a thousand times, you only need to get it right once. Then you win, then, then life changes forever. Doesn't matter if you failed the diet a thousand times. Doesn't matter if you failed to quit drinking a thousand times. Doesn't matter if you failed in business a thousand times. If you get it right once, that's when you win. And that's when the change truly happens for the rest of your life. Beautiful. And, you know, 
successful, you know, sort of business and have generated millions and millions of revenue uh, for some of the clients and brands that you've worked with, you know, in terms of, you know, building a business, um, what were some, you know, of the biggest lessons that you learned from, you know, from obviously from yourselves, but also just learning about business in itself, you know, what advice would you give to someone obviously aspiring to become an entrepreneur and, you know, becoming the level their level best essentially because i think that a lot of people when they attribute self-improvement someone always said they always start either with fitness or getting your money up so and i think with business it's a very good motivator in terms of the, the lessons that also come with it so you know from your experiences you know what would you give what, what what advice would you give to someone essentially you know on this journey and just trying to build a business of their own it, it's a great question and uh it's a question that I, I struggled with for for a long time, certainly. Um, I felt stuck for a long time in terms of growing my business. As I said, I made lots of failures in terms of growing my businesses. Um, the first lesson that, that I had was uh, maybe this is just me. And I, I do believe that business is, uh, is different for everyone. But you have to build a business that reflects the life that you want to live and also reflects the person who you are. Now, an example of this, uh, let's say that, uh, let, let's think of some celebrities. Let's think of um, of The Rock. Um, let's think of um, Warren Buffett, Oprah, and uh, Elon Musk. Now, let's say um, that The Rock told himself, I need to build a business um, creating one well, of the world's largest investment funds. That's what I should do. That's what will make me money. That's what I should do. He would have been a disaster. Just the same as if a young Warren Buffett, this would be quite funny actually, if a young Warren Buffett uh, said to himself, I need to build a business as a WWE wrestler and, and a Hollywood celebrity. Just the same as if, um, if if Elon Musk had grown up and said, right, I should probably be, be hosting a, a talk show for women. That's how I should grow my business. Or if Oprah has said to herself, oh, maybe I should build a business with electric cars, it wouldn't work. And so many times we go into business and I did this so many times. I was like, oh, I need to I need to build an agency because that's what that will make me money. I need to to rise up the corporate ladder because that's what my parents wanted me to do. I need to, to build this kind of business because all the, the people on Twitter are telling me that this is how I make the fastest money. And I failed. Every single time I only started to succeed when I built the business that I would love to build for myself. And some of it didn't make sense, to be honest. Some of it, um, in fact, many times people tell me what, what I do is there'd be a faster way of doing it or a more profitable way of doing it. And obviously profit and cash flow is, is important, but you have to build a business that truly reflects your talents, your true nature and who you are. Um, I, I saw somewhere on 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 X on Twitter recently someone said it doesn't matter how talented you are if your talents are pointing in the wrong direction then then those talents are always going to be wasted. Another another famous saying is if you if you judge uh, a fish on its ability to climb a tree it will always be unsuccessful and I believe too many people are trying to start businesses out of obligation out of trying to impress their parents their spouse a bunch of people online who they've never even met 
rather than actually trying to go for, for what they want. And I believe there is true strength in doubling down on your true nature, on your true talents, on what sets your soul on fire and what really wants to make, what you really want to do to make a difference in the world. Because none of us are getting out of here alive, just like my dad. Uh, we are all dying. And my dad was a failed businessman. He was a creative genius and he tried and failed so many different businesses. Um, a short story with my dad. We uh, we went uh, to live in the US in, uh, in the late 1980s when I was like six years old because my dad started working with a guy called Steve because uh, my dad was into computers. Um, Steve turned out to be Steve Jobs and uh, things didn't work out too well for my dad because we found ourselves back in the UK with no house, no money, definitely no jobs um, because my, my dad was trying to... to live this life that that really made him quite miserable and that he he had some some intelligence for but he had no talent or passion for and the second bit of advice i, I want to give and again this is uh flies in the face of, of of what many people say but but it worked for me it's the power in saying no and i don't mean saying no in terms of of just setting boundaries and the whole you know, you, you say no to things so you can say yes to what you really want. I actually talk about the process of removal because really we can blame the tech or the social media or the team or the marketing or the economy or the Facebook ad spend, whatever you want to blame. Really, it is ourselves who get in our own way. And we believe that we need another course, another website, another landing page, another product, another podcast, another program, really success comes from subtraction. Now, if you think of this example, uh, think of a, a sculptor, think of Michelangelo, the sculptor. When, uh, when Michelangelo wanted to create a beautiful work of art, he had his, his big block of marble. He didn't say to himself, I know, what I need is another block of marble and another block and another block. And he didn't keep on piling more and more on top of it. He had that one block of marble and then he chiseled away 90% of it. He removed almost all of it. And that 10% that was left was a timeless masterpiece. And we all tell ourselves that we need more. We need more to build a business, more knowledge, more money, more information, doesn't work that way. Success comes from subtraction. By removing everything, by getting out of our own way, that is how we start to truly create a business that we want. goes back to Bible times. I never like to get too religious in these things because you're skating on thin ice there, but you think of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are thou shalt not. Ten Commandments don't say, you need to build this and add this and then get this upgrade and then do this extra thing and then do more. Ten commandments are the things that you shall not do, the things that you should remove from your life. And, you know, that 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 Bible thing's gone pretty well over the years. So um, I think there might be some truth in it somewhere along the line, certainly on those Ten Commandments. We shall not. So rather than thinking I need to do more, I need to be more, I need to have more. What could I start saying no to? Because when you start to say no to more, you start to say yes to who you really are and what you really want. And, and just the final piece of, of attached to that, we always ask how. I, I asked how for years. How do I build a business? How do I build a website? How do I learn sales? How do I learn social media? We're asking the wrong question. 
yeah, the, the question of how just keeps ourselves tripped up. It just adds to the confusion, just gives us an excuse not to take action because we always say, I can't do this because I don't know how. I didn't know how to run across the Sahara Desert. I didn't know how to, to run across the Arctic. I didn't know how to become a Guinness World Record holder, but, but I found a way to do it. The, uh, the question is not how do I do this thing? The question is who do I need to become to do this thing? Decide to become the person and then take the action as that person. And then you will start getting the results as that person that you always wanted to become. And I always say my favorite phrase, it is never too late to become the person who you always were meant to be. Doesn't matter whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, it's never too late to be that person who you were always meant to be. I think you're on uh, mute there, my man. Um, touching up even what you said, I think a lot of people always try to wait, you know, for the perfect moment and conditions, I think, before, you know, they set their sights on doing something. But I think it's just about, you know, that action and moving on with it. Um, I've got a couple of more also questions uh, before we give some people in the panel, you know, they want to ask some questions as well, I'm sure. But, um, you know, obviously you've worked with some huge global bands. Um, I mean, I know Coca-Cola, Heineken, Microsoft, these are all huge companies. You know, obviously from starting off with your business, you know, a lot of people, what they may have in their mind, like how did you sort of position yourself to be recognized by some of these brands and working, you know, with obviously some CEOs at the highest level and how do you sort of like go about getting there? It, it's a great question. And I always find it's kind of like, it's, it's like unlocking a door. And once you can get one, then you can get another and another. But but the first is, um, it's called the, the, the three door theory. It's about simply asking. And, and for a long time, I told myself, I'm not good enough to, to, to work with these people. I've, I've, imposter syndrome was massive for me. I felt I'm not good enough. I, the first time I was in a, in a proper corporate office, it was, it was a US company, um, you know, you know, you know with, with the marble and the glass and everyone, I was looking around, I was like, everyone knows, everyone plays the game. Everyone knows what to say. Everyone does the networking and the elevator pitches. I was just there in the corner saying, they give you free coffee. Can you believe this? Like the coffee is free. And they were like, yeah, it's an office. I was like, no way, free coffee. And I've just had like five coffees, which probably helped my conversations. Um, but I felt like an imposter uh, a lot of the time. So the first thing about getting over imposter syndrome for me was uh, was pretty huge. And to get over imposter syndrome, I had to tell myself that these were all just people. Uh, these were all just people with the same problems, the same worries, the same fears as everyone else. And, and the key part of me was understanding what their problems were, what their worries were, and then offering to, to solve that problem for them. Because everyone, everyone always talks about the, um, the no-like trust aspect. You hear this talked about in traditional sales training a lot. The client or the customer has to know you, and then they have to like you, and then they have to trust you. And I'm not saying that's not unimportant because obviously things like trust are important, but everyone talks about no like trust until they can find someone who can solve their problem in a better way. 
and that's what I focused on. I was like, they don't know me. Um, I don't. I wanted them to like me until I realized that actually you don't have to like your dentist. You don't have to like your lawyer. You don't have to like your doctor. You don't have to like the guy who fixes your car. You just have to be able to know they're going to do the best job at solving your problem. And the other approach I took was to be disruptive. And uh, I, I've been very disruptive in my life for the wrong reasons, as I say in the old life. But um, but I always, I always believe in in embracing our true nature. And when when I first started working with these these companies like the Coca Colas and the Heinekens and the the Microsoft and so on. I thought, right, who do I need to be? Again, who, who, who do I need to be to get them to like me? And I tried to, to wear the suit and to you know, do the networking talk and say, oh, I've read, the, uh, I've read the Financial Times. I've read the Wall Street Journal. What do you think about this article? I, got, I bored myself. I bored myself shitless. So then I came across as this quite boring, quite bored person. And then they were like, well, yeah, you're okay, but, but you're a bit robotic, to be honest. And then I thought, I, uh, I have to embrace my true nature. I have to really lean into who I am. I have to do things a certain way. And that's not to say, you know, that you have to turn up at Microsoft HQ in a clown suit or something. But but there were times where I thought, I know I'm a, I'm a naturally uh, fairly bold, fairly rebellious person. How could I bring that into my client work? So one example being uh, when I tried to get a meeting with the CEO of um, of a global business. I tried sending emails and I didn't get a reply. And um, I was like, oh, I need to send more emails. What I should do is send more emails. And I thought to myself, everyone sends emails. If you're really trying to get someone's attention, if you really believe you can solve their problem, then then why not do something different? Because I was just keeping myself busy. I say, oh, I've, oh, I've, uh, we talk about feeling stuck again. I feel so stuck. I can't get any clients. I've, I've sent all these emails all day long. But I'm so stuck. Nothing works. Nothing's happening. I thought, why if 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 I'm making this false assumption, I've been sending emails and emails don't work. Why not do something different? So I started writing letters. I went back to the 70s uh, for people who are who are old enough to remember the 70s. Got some paper. Got um, bought myself a cheap fountain pen. Even started handwriting letters. You can find the the address. You can find the, the person's name. I hand wrote them letters. I sent out a bunch of them. And if you receive a handwritten letter through the post, uh, then you open it. And then you first think, oh, wow, it's not a bill bonus. And then you actually start reading. And this got me a lot more responses. This got more attention. And uh, and that's not to say that everyone has to start writing letters. But the, the lesson here is that it's about doing something different. We all fall into that trap of, of, again, those of us that live on social media. I need to be sending more cold DMs. I need to be doing more stuff online. I've got to hate LinkedIn so much. But I was there thinking, oh, I need to do more LinkedIn things because business people post on LinkedIn. And I would write the most boring, most painful posts. And I'd kind of be like biting, hitting post and like just say, oh, I hated myself. I had to have a shower afterwards. I felt so dirty. Um, but I was like, this isn't me. I thought, why? I love getting people's attention. Why can't I write them letters? I think I'm, I actually turned up to a meeting uh, with a brick, uh, an actual brick. And I think they thought I was going to try and kill someone. But I said, look, I want to build something together. Let's lay the foundation. I put the brick on his desk. Um, and it's just these things. How can I be different? How can I stand out? And, and that's what I, I, I love doing. 
we always tell ourselves we need to be perfect. We need the, the right email sequence. We need the, the right elevator pitch. If you can solve someone's problem, then it's all about getting their attention. And it's all about how could I get their attention just in a different way. It doesn't have to be expensive. doesn't have to be bold. For me, it would just take you a bit of time. I could spend 10 hours a day sending cold emails and then go home and kick the cat and say, oh, I hate my life. I'm terrible at business. I've sent all these cold emails and no one wants to work with me. Or I could spend five hours a day researching who I really wanted to work with actually getting clear on how I could help them and not just how I could help them, but how I would actually enjoy helping them. Not thinking, Hey, I could do your marketing for you. Cause actually I don't want to run a marketing agency. That would be shit and boring. What I would love to do is help inspire, empower their teams to build resilience, to build an unstoppable mindset, to, to help them build their confidence. So what if I wrote them a letter really telling them, how I could help them solve their problem, why it's worthwhile for them to have me solve this problem and why they should work with me. And it's funny, I've, I always say I've dined with, um, I've dined with beggars, billionaires, priests, and prostitutes, not all at the same time, because that would have been a hell of a dinner party, but at different times in my life, <laughs> no one, no one tells me, uh, yeah, tell me about your five step strategy. No one says to me, Oh, let, let's hear your elevator pitch on how you could increase our ROI. No one says to me, uh, what, what's your employee engagement approach? He'll say to me, tell me about when you ran across the Sahara Desert and you were pissing blood. Or tell me about that time when the drug dealers held a gun to your head. Or tell me, every, at the moment, everyone's like, because I'm going to the Arctic in, in five weeks. Everyone's like, how are you, how's the Arctic planning? How's the training going? That's... That's what CEOs, that's what everyone wants to talk about. And the, the final part of it is what I'd say is, it's just to, to live, to, to have these interesting stories to tell, to have these experiences, because, wow, everyone, if you are a high net worth individual, if you are a uh, you know, someone senior in a company, you are an attractive prospect. And uh, the example here is... Um, Without being too sexist, it applies to male and women, to men and women. But imagine you are an attractive female if you're a model. Probably about ten or twenty times a day, you're going to have people coming up to you and saying, "Hey, you're really good looking. Can I have your phone number? Hey, you're really good looking. Can I have your phone number? Hey, you're really good looking. Can I ask you out on a date?" They hear it every single day, and it's the same with CEOs. They will hear they they are an attractive prospect. They will hear. Hey, I love your company. Can I come and work for you? Hey, I can help you do this. Hey, would you like to hear my pitch? Hey, would you like? It's so boring. So why not give them something different? Why not tell them a story? Live a life. Be interesting. Have the things that you can tell them that they will hear nowhere else. And that is all of it starts with that conversation and that interest. So that's what I would say around if you can decipher some uh, some, some some information from all of all of those words, but. I think that has to be the thing. Build the business that you want to build. Think about how can I be disruptive? How can I be different and stand out? And then be that person of, of, of character and interest. It doesn't have to, again, you don't have to, to run across deserts or run to the North Pole. Maybe it's because you follow the same baseball team. Maybe it's because you have kids that both like Lego. Maybe you both like fishing. But people, 
people want to talk about things they find interesting rather than hear yet another elevator pitch that they've heard a hundred times before. Brilliant. Um, I think that's great advice, Freddie. And um, yeah, um, I think those are all the questions I had uh, thus far. I think I'm going to open up the panel to everyone in the crowd um, who, have, who might have a question. So guys, if you have a question for Freddie, you can go ahead and unmute and shoot away or just drop it in the chat. This is like the school dance thing, isn't it? We all just stare at each other in an awkward silence for a while. <laughs> Come on, guys. Thank you, Florin. Much appreciated. Glad you enjoyed it. Sean says thank you as well. Hey, Freddy. Hey. <laughs> hey, yeah, Matthias here. Hey, Matthias. I just want to thank you it was a really really good uh, podcast with you and uh, like to uh it was awesome to hear for the first time um i've, I've got a question because i can relate to many many uh aspects of of your life too um so do you have maybe uh one single most action or one single most point um, you did on an everyday basis to turn your life around you said action trumps all yes but um, maybe a step earlier um, to make a switch in, in your mind to get the traction to get to action every day is there anything you can add on this? It's a, it's a great question. And um, for me, it always, uh, I, I might have to unravel this a bit, but hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get to the right spot. Um, for me, it comes down to, to, to trust. For so many years, I didn't trust myself. Um, I, I didn't have confidence in myself. I didn't believe in myself. And and, and that's the right thing, because why would I have trust in myself? Because I used to always break the promises that I would make to myself. I would promise myself to go to the gym and I wouldn't. I'd promise myself to stop drinking and I wouldn't. I'd promise myself I'd change my life and I wouldn't. So I, I had no trust in myself. So the the first step to, to what I had to do every day was to start building that trust. And how do we start building trust every day? It's when we start keeping the promises that we make to ourselves. Um, I always say in, in life, we for every decision we make, it's like a, like a crossroads. We can go left or we can go right. When we mm -hmm. we can choose to move towards comfort or we can choose towards growth, and and growth is usually the uncomfortable option. So, yeah, when when I was lying in bed this morning, my alarm went off and I had to go to the gym. I had a choice. I can move towards growth which was get up, I can move towards comfort, which was to choose to stay in bed. And, and that was that was the key thing for me, just to start to think every day, how can I make one choice that is a choice towards growth rather than mm -hmm. towards comfort? And I'm a big fan of, of doing things the smallest possible way. And I know this is very anti um, 
everything on social media because everything on social media is especially at this time of year big goals big challenges new things billion dollars all these things i always think how how can we keep it as small as possible so mm. if if i have a goal to write a book can i just write one sentence every day and that and i with my first book that's what i, I literally did because because writing a book is scary and it and it feels impossible if writing a sentence doesn't feel so scary so i would literally set myself a challenge of writing a sentence and then the next day another sentence then maybe if i felt like it maybe two sentences but i would always think of that thing what is the smallest thing i could do today that is a move towards growth and not a move towards comfort um okay cool and then mm -hmm. the final part i would always say if if I only had one thing to do today, because I think we we always get overwhelmed with so many things to do and so many challenges. And do I do the social media update or do I build the business or do I go for the run or do I read the book or do I listen to the podcast? And we end up doing usually nothing very well. And I always say if, if you woke up tomorrow and you just had one thing to do, so your goal for the day was just to write that sentence or just to do that press up. Think about how how much focus, how much energy would I put into just doing that one thing? I think if you can just focus on doing that that one thing to the best of your ability, then then the second thing comes easier. But um, but that that is what I would I would always do with the start, if that um if that helps at all. Yeah, it does, of course. Thank you very much. No problem. Right, guys, we'll have a few more minutes. Uh, if anyone else has a question, go ahead and shoot. There's always one question that um, that uh, <laughs> asked, but um, I haven't had this time. And I'll, I'll I'll give you the answer anyway. And if, if anyone has a question, feel free to interrupt me. But um, people always say, "What what was your Guinness World Record for?" And um, linked into to a story that we were telling earlier. So I am, uh, I'm in the Guinness Book of Records. You can Google this. Um, so I have run the fastest marathon on the planet, dressed as a fisherman, uh, which was the uh, <laughs> was, and, uh, and I thought I thought when when I did the record because to cut a long story short, I'd, I'd ran across the Sahara Desert. I'd, I'd gone from from literally addicted couldn't run a, a kilometer to running the world's toughest foot race 300 kilometers across the sahara desert in a space of 18 months came back from the desert and um i felt what i call the darkness started to creep back in the couch looked more appealing the pizza looked more appealing i my mental health was getting worse again and then one day my kids said to me um daddy you should break a world record and i'm kind of like yeah okay maybe kind of go away kids and every day anyone's got kids it's like daddy break a world record next day daddy break a world record and i was like oh sh i'm gonna have to bloody break a world record now and so i lived in the uk at the time in liverpool and that's like a maritime it's by the sea my kids love fish so they said daddy you should be the world's fastest fisherman and i thought it should be uh you know like fly i'm not a fisherman but like fly fishing with the nice fishing rod and the little hat and the waistcoat i thought oh that's okay um it turned out i had to be like a deadliest catch fisherman with the full waterproof clothing 
uh, and the red uh, rubber, you know, we call the Wellington oh. boots, UK gum boots, they call them here, like the red rubber wading boots, running a marathon in those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I found myself at the start line of this marathon. And you know what? We, we worry about looking stupid in life. We worry about people laughing at us. We worry about maybe making a mistake and, and people pointing and laughing. I'll tell you what, when you've stood at the start line of a marathon, dressed like a cross between a serial killer and the world's shittest male stripper, and you have 20,000 people laughing at you, pointing at you, telling you that you're stupid, telling you that you're going to fail, telling you that you don't know what you're doing, then then you realize that that decision to start the business or make the phone call or ask the person out on a date or ask the mentor for help, it's really not that much of a, of a stupid decision, really. And uh, and it's funny, uh, they were all laughing at me on the start line. They were calling me stupid. Um, four hours and 37 minutes later, they were calling me a Guinness World Record holder. And, uh, and I can't I can't quote uh, this for myself. I think it was Elon Musk that said this. And he said, they they laugh at you before they applaud you. I think that that's a great rule for life, that so many things that we want to do, so many ideas we have, people laugh at us and they call us stupid. But then further down the line, they're the people who are report, who are applauding us and, uh, and asking us how we did it. That's uh, it's quite an interesting story. Um, I didn't think it would take, I didn't think it would go shift in that direction, but um, I think that's just what makes it unique. And there's an element of humor to it, which I think is amazing. I actually had one more question, um, you know, in terms of, you know, why why did you decide to start running across the Sahara or, you know, going to the North Pole and, you know, and going or doing all these crazy things, you know, what sort of prompted you? Because there's a million other things which niche people you know, obviously try to look not as an escape, but essentially, you know, as an activity to sort of, you know, challenge themselves, you know, so why ultra long distance running? It's a great question. And, uh, and a psychologist would have a field day with me. And as someone said to me, um, am I running to something or running from something? And, <laughs> uh, and maybe one day I'll, I'll have a, a deeper dive into that. Um, for me, the Sahara desert was always the one I wanted. Um, for, for years, I don't know why this race captured my imagination. It's it's called the Marathon de Saab. It, it is the world's toughest foot race. Um, it's 300 kilometers across the Sahara Desert. Uh, you you carry all your own food. Your water is rationed. It's the it's the toughest race on the planet across the deadliest place on the planet. Um, and for years, I'd be the guy at the bar who would be drinking the beer saying, hey, guys, one day I'm going to do this race. And my friends would be like, yeah, yeah, of course you are. Have another tequila, Freddie. And I was I was this person who would always talk about the big goals and dreams and never take any action. And it was after my dad died. As I say, that was the first step to me saying, I've always talked about doing this thing. And I want to, and now I need to take some action and actually do it. And, and that's why I found myself, what I say, when I signed up for the race, I couldn't run a mile. I had to go from zero to world's toughest foot race in 18 months. And I thought that would be it. I thought I've achieved the goal. I've done the running thing. And now I can just go and, and go back to my old life. But 
as I say, the, the Sahara Desert led to the world record, which led to the Ironman, which led to the 100-mile the race, which led to the Arctic. And I I discovered a couple of things. One, it's something that I'm passionate about um, in terms of, of challenging myself. And I do it to show my kids as well that, that we can achieve everything we set our minds to. But the biggest reason I do these things, as I say, is to prove to people that that you can achieve what you want because i hate seeing on social media as i say the slogan dispense dispensers everybody talks about face your fears and step out of your comfort zone and build your mindset and do all the everyone talks about it when when i was younger in, in my darker days you know i i'd see the david goggins and i'd see okay yeah david goggins can do that because he's an ex-navy seal or I'd have the billionaire Tony Robbins saying to me, don't worry about money. Or I'd see these privileged adventurers who would climb up Everest. And I couldn't relate to any of them because I was like, yeah, you're you're David Goggins, you're Tony Robbins, you're Bear Grylls. I'm Freddie, the, the, the mid-level manager at a corporate company. I can't do those things. So I do this to prove to people that you don't have to be a David Goggins. You don't have to be a millionaire. You don't have to be a billionaire. With the right knowledge, the right mindset and the right habits, you can conquer your own personal mountain. For me, it's these challenges. For you, it might be the business, the hobby, the relationship, the travel, the adventure. Uh, it's why I moved from the UK to New Zealand. Uh, that's that's a, a non-extreme adventure. I had a dream. Again, I won't get political, but uh, there, I felt like there were other there were other places to live right now in the world apart from the UK. Everyone has a dream about moving to a different country. And then they say, oh, I can't do that. Don't have the time. Don't have the money. What about this? What about that? And I thought, but what if I did it? Again, what if I do it to prove to people I can put myself through some change, through some suffering, to prove to everybody else that following your goals, your hopes, your dreams doesn't have to be as scary or as impossible as, as you think. And that's why I say I, I do it to prove that everyday people can achieve extraordinary things that's that's amazing and and inspiring in itself Freddie. and you know just as i wrapping up here i think your story is incredible honestly from just like how you turned your life around and i, I want to express my gratitude to you for taking the time you know and coming on today and you know hosting this um i think everyone who tuned in uh, is definitely going to find a lot of value in it we're going to be sharing it out um real soon but um you know just before we close off um any any other closing remarks and uh, where can people find you on your socials um so yeah in terms of, of, of thank you for having me first and foremost it's been a pleasure and uh what you've created here is is truly amazing I'm, I'm i'm really in awe of it and i'm a big fan so it's been great to to be here and and share this time with you all um i'll i'll wrap it up by by answering florian's question as well in terms of my my main objective in life um there's something that i think about quite a lot to, to be honest with you what what is my my aim what is my objective and ultimately it's to make people feel good about themselves and i know that that sounds a bit soft and fluffy but but i believe that that no one deserves to have a wasted life and that's what i'm so passionate about and and i think especially in the corporate world so many people in either in in jobs that they don't like in relationships where they're not feeling appreciated or loved or wanted so many people live this life of quiet desperation and i'm on a mission 
to to prove to people that it doesn't have to be like that um it doesn't matter whether you want to to change who you are where you are what you do who you do it with with the right knowledge mindset and habits then then you can truly achieve these things and uh, and my main objective is to carry on on that mission um i'm i'm creating a number of of uh, mastermind groups here in the southern hemisphere to to help people get unstuck unshackled and unleashed and uh, i'm bringing those those events those masterminds in in a big way giving people not just the networks but also the the habits and the experiences that they can get nowhere else and i'm i'm excited about doing that next year or this year i should say now and uh, and running across the arctic and, and who knows maybe trying a another Guinness World Record attempt in uh, in the second half of the year. Where can people find me? Uh, mainly on Instagram. I am the Freddie Bennett on Instagram. Uh, the F-R-E-D-D-I-E-B-E-N-E-T-T on Instagram. And I'm also at the at um, Freddie M. Bennett on, uh, on Twitter or X. And uh, it's my mission in 2024 to be more more vocal on uh, on x as well because it's such a great platform as uh, as you will prove so um yeah i might uh, try and, and tackle that uh, that aspect of social media as well yeah for sure and uh, that's powerful and you know since we're all on x you know um if you ever need any help when you decide you know you want to start tackling we're all going to be here um to help you out on your journey i think x is a powerful platform and i think for myself um, and a few others, I think it's been impactful and life-changing for myself, honestly. And obviously what we've been able to build um, off the platform in communities like this, and as well as also contributed to my own growth, you know, in the sense that you get to meet um, all different types of people. Like we connected through X as well. So mm -hmm. I think I think that's the beauty of social media if leveraged um, in the right way. So, but uh, apart from that, everyone, uh, Freddie, again, appreciate you for taking the time. I uh, really enjoyed uh, the conversation today and uh, we'll be in touch. Great stuff. Thank you all for the opportunity again. Uh, I, as I say, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing and uh, not only how you're you're spreading your message with the world, but also empowering other people to do the same. It, it's amazing. And I know that not only yourself, but everyone here in, in your group, in your community is going to have a massive 2024. So it's been a pleasure to be part of it. And thank you for having me. Cheers, Fred. Cheers, Freddie. Enjoy the rest of your day. Until we meet next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Take care.